You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Much to discuss with our good friend Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio. Andy, thanks for taking the time. Got to start with Josh McDaniels. Does his decision to back out of the Colts' job to stay in New England indicate to you he's now the Patriots head coach in waiting, even if there's no formal written agreement? Yeah, I don't think there's any other way to look at it. Um, I have to think across the NFL, he's a little bit toxic right now. You know, this is a guy that's coming off. Um, I remember talking to people in Denver saying Josh was the most hated person in Denver sports history when he left there. Um, comes back, rehabs his image, you know, he's gotten plenty of interviews and then makes a decision to back out after a team has already, you know, thought they hired him and announced him to the point where his agent uh, parts ways with him. So, I find it hard to believe he's going to be popular in many places other than New England right now, so I have to think he made this decision uh, knowing that the the future, the long-term security for him was in New England. The only question is, how soon is that? And, you know, some people are saying this is Belichick's last year. I'm still not sold. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened over the last 48, 72 hours. Um, I had sort of an inclination all along that there were little – circumstantial evidence where you could talk yourself into thinking maybe this was Belichick's last run. Um, I'm still really interested to see how this plays out in the coming days. I I don't think all the dust has settled here. And uh, I'm a big believer that sometimes when things stink and they don't pass the smell test, you need to sniff around a little more until you find out what the, uh, what the rotten odor is. I agree with you, Andy, because it's, it's almost like this has been a year uh, for this New England Patriots team where a lot of things has happened in a way that we haven't been accustomed to seeing happening, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo being let go at the time in which he was gone and and not necessarily really having a good answer for the backup. Tom Brady, he loses Alex Guerrero. I mean, it goes on and on. Not Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, not Jimmy, but uh, Rob Gronkowski uh, mentioning that, you know, there's conversation that maybe you don't know for sure what he's going to do next season. So it's it's almost as if this organization is at a point where maybe the turnover may be, uh, a time to start happening maybe now, uh, but maybe because of pride they don't because they want to go back and probably try to make another run at a championship. Well, certainly, you know, it's a it's a tidier ending if they took care of business on Sunday against the Eagles and losing and all the story with Butler and just the disappointment of that um, adds a layer to this. There's no question about that. But, you know, I've been thinking all afternoon about sort of just the reading the tea leaves and, if you remember, one of the issues in the Seth Wickersham ESPN story was that, that Bill wanted a, a dynastic succession plan in New England. He wanted to pass the organization off properly. Well, the quarterback position, that may have gone out the window with whatever went down with the Jimmy Garoppolo trade and, and why Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer here. And then it made me think, well, is he thinking the same thing about his his position, the coaching position, and – okay, they, they can't have the quarterback in place, but if he lets Josh McDaniels leave and then he walks away, whether it's this offseason, next offseason, now you've left them without a coach and a quarterback. And that's not exactly a succession plan, a true dynasty to continue. And, and I remember a few years ago when he was critical of the, the Colts when they had no backup answer to Peyton Manning and they ended up going the suck-for-luck route and everything there, and he called it irresponsible have the team fall apart like that and I think he sees a responsibility to not only win now and do his job now but prepare the Patriots for life after Belichick life after Brady and I just wonder if that's what this is this is preparing the Patriots with uh, you know um, Josh McDaniels 
And clearly the crafts would have to be on board. It's their franchise. It's their decision. But I just wonder if this is the succession plan. And now the question is, you know, when does the passing of the power happen? And, you know, we'll probably find that out in the coming weeks and months. Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio. Andy, what do you make of the Rob Gronkowski retirement speculation? Is it too cynical to think this could be a ploy to try to get more money out of the Patriots? No, I think that would be considered accurate. Um, that was my interpretation almost from the get-go. Um, certainly Gronk fueled the speculation with the way he answered the questions post-game and, you know, how did that get out there? How would you hear about that? And, you know, I'm not ready to talk about it, but I am going to sit down and consider my future. Um, it's going to be a sticky situation with, with Gronk and his contract. They gave him the new deal this offseason, the incentives for this year that doubled his salary to almost $11 million. He achieved them by getting an all-pro season under his belt. Trouble is, the way the cap works, those incentives, more than $5 million, go on next year's cap when he already has a cap number, I believe, around $11 million. So now you're up to $16 million. If you wanted to give him a similar incentive-laden deal for next year because of his history and you never know when he's going to get hurt, those incentives would be likely to be earned. So you're talking about a cap number of $20 million for a tight end, which just isn't really financially realistic in the NFL. Now they could do a longer term deal with more traditional signing bonus and all those things, but now you're pushing it off down the road. And I just, I think this is going to come to a head and I am not projecting that Rob Gronkowski will be traded by no means, but we know Bill Belichick, when backed into a corner on contracts and when dealing with things like this, assuming he is still making all the decisions, um, I just wouldn't, wouldn't ever rule it out because I do think that's going to come to a head and, and Gronk is sort of making it clear that he wants a new deal, I think. Did Malcolm Butler's uh, absence in this game uh, increase this team's chance of losing? We know Bill Belichick is, is the guru of, 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 of throwing players in, but if Malcolm Butler would have played, would have been a better outcome? No question. I mean, you're talking about a guy who played in 100% of the snaps previously in the postseason, 98% of the snaps uh, basically during the regular season, won you a Super Bowl in his first real action, was a Pro Bowl corner after that, was your number one corner for a couple years. You'd match him up against Antonio Brown and some of the best receivers in the game. And now you're going to tell me he's not good enough to get on a football field. And, oh, by the way, you could even sell me on whatever's going on with him, bad week of practice, head, anything that he wasn't good enough to start the game. But once you see where the game is going and you can't stop the Philadelphia Eagles, that the people you put out there, Eric Rowe, Johnson Batamosi, Jordan Richards going with a four-safety package, a guy that's really struggled anytime he's ever played defense for New England, once you see that's not working, then, you know, the old saying, break glass in case of emergency. Butler couldn't do any worse, and I think he clearly would have done better. They didn't tackle well. He's one of their best tacklers at cornerback, so – you know, I think it's it's a little much for Patriots fans to say if Belichick had played Butler, we'd have another Super Bowl ring. But he gives you a better chance. You have a better chance as that game played out to get Jordan Richards off the field or Johnson Batamosi off the field and put Butler out there, trickle-down effect with Rowe and sort of the other coverage options. There, there's just no debating that. You would, you would have had a better chance if you at least took a shot with Butler. Why he didn't do that? We may never know because you know he's not going to tell us. And, you know, Butler claims he doesn't know. So I don't know that we'll ever know why. But the Patriots would have had a better chance, yes. And if he wasn't going to play Butler, why was he even dressed? I know he had a cameo on special teams. But if you're going to not have one of your best defensive players out there, why they even allow him to be active? It's a great question. It's great that you bring up the, the one snap on punt, um, punt return. 
there was only one punt in the game. So we'll never know if there had been a different type of game, if there had been nine or ten punts or something ridiculous, would he have played every one of those and those have been his only snaps? I don't know. You know, there's also been a lot of speculation, although Butler issued his statement saying all the reports of anything were ridiculous, speculation that within the 90-minute window after you already announced your inactives, something happened. He got into an altercation with a coach. He blew up whatever. I don't know that to be true. You know, I've certainly not heard that with any reliability that anything like that happened, but that's a theory. Another theory thrown around is just that, you know, Belichick wanted to make an example of him, you know, wanted to just put him there on the sideline and have people see what happens when you go against authority or whatever it may be, make a point, prove a point with him. I'd like to think that's not the case because in my opinion, Bill always says he does what's in the best interest of the football team, which is certainly a loose vague phrase because you can look at it short-term, long-term, day of game, you know, program, establishing a trend, whatever. But in the best interest of the football team was either Malcolm Butler plays or you activate somebody who is going to play rather than playing a man down in the Super Bowl, which is what they did. So it's a great question. Again, I'll add it to the mix of ones we may never have an answer to unless one of those two guys spills the beans. Andy, what part of this game when watching it uh, you said – uh, that this team may be in trouble for the first time in a very long time when when knowing that the latter part of games, New England has always been able to come through. I mean, games were close, but they were able to come through. When, what part of this game you saw where you, you may have said, you know what, we're struggling a little bit. We may not have a chance to come out of this one. You know, certainly when you go down and you don't maximize your scoring opportunities in the first half, and, you know, Coach Belichick always says games declare themselves at some point in the first half. You you sort of feel and see what type of game it was going to be. Well, this game declared itself as a track meet. You knew there were going to be a lot of points scored. You know, teams are going up and down the field. I think there was a stretch there where it was at nine straight scoring drives combined between the two teams. And when you can't get off the field on third down, that's a major problem. That's a hallmark of, you know, a good Patriots defense, the bend but don't break. But they were bending and then they were breaking. They couldn't tackle. They couldn't get off the field. And you just felt like sooner or later somebody's going to make a mistake that's going to decide this game. And in the end, it was the Patriots' offensive line. I thought they had a very good day against a good defensive front. But in the end, the one strip sack sways the game and really just changed the complexion. But to me, it was about the defense. And quite frankly, I'll be honest with you, I, Jordan Richards is one of the nicest guys in that locker room. He's a young safety who's never been able to find a position on defense. When he plays on defense, bad things happen. It happened in the opener. Bill Belichick had him out there in sort of a hybrid linebacker role against the Chiefs. He couldn't do the job. They ran all over it. They put up big plays, and they won the game. Well, this is a similar Eagles-Chiefs offense, Doug Peterson coming from Andy Reid. When I saw Jordan Richards out there to start the game or, or early on in that game, I didn't like it. I thought that was immediately overthinking and a wrinkle that wasn't going to work. So that was my first clue. But the bigger clue would be the inability to tackle, the inability to cover and get off the field on third down. And that's what all the players talked about postgame, whether it was Deron Harmon, Devin McCourty. You know, they couldn't get off the field. They couldn't make a play when they needed to. And late in the game, the Eagles did make the play they needed to, to swing the momentum and change the game. Chatting with Andy Hart, Patriots.com Radio. Andy, last one for me. Now that the offseason's officially underway, what are the main priorities for the Patriots moving forward? Well, I think certainly the first will be the coaching staff settling this in. Um, so Josh McDaniels is back. We're now assuming Bill Belichick is back, Tom Brady's back. Okay, offensively, you have some continuity. I still have questions about Dante Skarnecchia, 70-year-old offensive line coach, and Ivan Fears, their running backs coach. Both, in my opinion, could decide to retire at any time. I'm still waiting to see what they decide to do. And then defensively, does Brian Flores just get promoted to, to 
defensive coordinator? Is he going to call the plays on defense? The linebackers coach who actually interviewed for a head coaching job this offseason. You know, there was some rumors talk of Greg Schiano coming in. He's decided to stay at Ohio State. So I think first and foremost, you need to figure out the coaching staff and that continuity before you begin all the, the draft process. And then I think you go to Rob Gronkowski. I mean, if this is a legitimate issue, that's a big part of the offense. We saw it in the Super Bowl. They were struggling coming out of halftime. They were down. What did they do? Throw to Gronk, throw to Gronk, throw to Gronk, touchdown. That's how they get out of jams. We saw it in the Steelers game late. He's such a key matchup issue. And just a, even more, you know, the old school security blanket for a quarterback, screw that. He's the playmaker for the offense in Tom Brady. So you need to figure out if Rob Gronkowski is a member of this football team next year, whether it's contract, retirement, whatever. And then you get to the other issues. You're going to need to retool a little bit on defense. You're going to get some guys healthy. I don't think they have any glaring needs, really. They need to augment this roster, probably find another corner because Butler will be gone, and figure out the situation at left tackle with Nate Solder, who's a free agent. But to me, it starts coaching staff and Rob Gronkowski. If you get those solidified, you're well on your way to another good offseason and building towards you know, a competitive team for next year. Finally, and most importantly, is Cordell Mark Mann in New England. You know... As we were wrapping up our coverage in Minnesota, he walked over to your compound and he dropped that bombshell picking Philadelphia to win the Super Bowl. Well, when you're right, it's it's hard to be a marked man, I guess, right? You know, when you get the call right, um, and I guess the uh, the not done network turned into the hashtag all done network. And, you know, give the Eagles credit. They, I don't know if you guys saw it. That's I, I give the Eagles credit on social media. After the game, they tweeted out done. And, you know, they were right. It's a very Patriots way of doing things. You talk after you win. You don't talk before the game. And uh, whether it's Cordell or the Eagles, they they deserve the right to gloat because they got the job done and the Patriots didn't. Well, Andy, you talked win, lose, draw, (laughs) preseason, rain, or shine. We really appreciate all your help every step of the way this season on the NFL on TuneIn. It was really my pleasure. And, you know, if you want to keep it going the offseason, we'll talk draft and trades. I don't know if you've noticed. But it feels like the Patriots are always at the epicenter of NFL talk. It's almost no matter what happens, they win, they lose, guys come, mm-hmm. guys, go, guys go. It's always Patriots talk. So anytime you're looking, I'm ready. And that's why you have Thanks, plenty Andy. of job security. Thanks, Andy. We'll be in touch soon. <laughs> All right. See you, guys. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.